Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Service podcast. My name's Noel Willoff and on today's episode, I sat down with Amy Barrett-Boys. When it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Aotearoa, Amy is a pioneer of the sport. She was the seventh woman in New Zealand to be awarded her black belt and is currently the co-owner of Workshop Jiu-Jitsu. If you're a fan of combat sports and martial arts, this will be a great episode for you. But equally, if that's not your cup of tea, don't let that put you off this episode. There's so many great moments of gold in here from Amy, especially around the mindset of what it takes to truly be great at something. As always, a massive shout out to everybody showing some love to the podcast each week. I hope that these episodes are providing value to you wherever you're listening. If you're keen to support the podcast, please make sure you're following us on Spotify and also a reminder to rate us five stars. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number 16. I'm Amy Barrett-Boys, co-owner and coach at Workshop Jiu-Jitsu in Wellington. Um, and we're a relatively new jiu-jitsu club, uh, but I've been training for a long time, um, especially uh, as far as females go in the sport. So I've been going for about 13 years, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a mum of five uh, and I'm 49, 50 next year, so that's also another thing that's pretty interesting in our sport. Um, I've taught yoga, uh, and that's pretty much been it. It's been parenting and um, physical activities for me uh, most of my life, I have to say. Parenting and physical activities <laughs> yeah. just go hand in hand. <laughs> that's eh? right, that's right. Super stoked to have you on the podcast. Mm. I recently started my jiu-jitsu journey probably about 12 months ago, yep. and Workshop Jiu-Jitsu is the first really gym I've really ever been into yep. but I guess before we start it's probably a lot of people listening being like what the hell even is jujitsu right. so can you describe to somebody as if you were picking them off the street what is Brazilian jiu-jitsu okay so I guess the first thing I'd probably say if it's somebody who has no idea I might say have you ever seen the UFC mm. and then I would probably say it's almost everything in there bar the striking so no punching or kicking but everything else really so it's effectively like a submission grappling system. Um, uh, and historically, it's been mainly in the gi, which is like a really big, heavy canvas kind of uniform that you might see in judo or karate, but it's like in between. Um, and jiu-jitsu is like the NASCAR of martial arts. So we like cover our gis in weird patches and we're pretty mm. bright and we, we don't take ourselves as seriously. Uh, and yeah, so effectively you are uh, grappling and wrestling with your opponent and then trying to either submit them, which would be uh, by choking them or attacking their joints uh, until they tap or um, <clears throat> unfortunately go unconscious. Hopefully it doesn't happen too often. Uh, and or winning by points in a competitive situation. Yeah, well, it's um, and I'm sure with the rise of the UFC, it's just getting more and more popular. A lot more people walking into the doors of jujitsu gyms um, ac- across the country, really keen to give it a go. I think at the same time, and I, I probably had a bit of this when I first started, um, especially on that white belt life, which is you know the first belt in the ranking system. You watch a lot of UFC, and the violence through watching MMA kind of makes you a bit desensitised mm. and you watch all of these grapplers and stuff, you're like, oh, what? no, that would be easy. I'd just stand up in that position or yeah. I'd just move my hand out that way and I wouldn't get choked. But yeah. jiu is like that sport. I guess the premise of it is really essentially a smaller person can effectively beat the bigger, stronger person to a certain degree because a lot of it's sort of technique-based. Mm. Have... Have you found that? Yeah, I have to a certain extent. So um, I'm at sort of one edge end of the physical spectrum, like I'm a little bit older, I'm a woman, and I'm pretty small. Uh, and so I do, especially when people are beginning their jiu-jitsu journey, I feel I can take on pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um, but then once someone gets some skill under their belt, like even a year and a half or so of training, even me as a black belt, the physical discrepancies are going to start mm. to, to come into play. But certainly when I'm um, uh, rolling or competing against people who are very new, then I would back myself to, to be in control. So I think when, when you started and came in, I think you were probably feeling that I could pretty much dominate a role. Oh, 100%. Whereas I'd say Still now. now. <laughs> no, no, I think now it would be a lot more 
even Stevens or, or going the other way because as you start to understand how to use your strength and size, yeah. then it, it really does make a difference. But um, yeah, it is certainly a bit of an equaliser. Yeah, definitely. And why jiu-jitsu for you? I'm really keen to sort of go mm. back to how you first got introduced into the sport. Okay. Yeah, so my big three kids, I was teaching yoga at a gym in Lyle Bay and they had like an inside the gym, they had a little jiu-jitsu club. Um, which still exists in Wellington today, actually under a different name. And so I thought this would be great for the kids. They had a kids class. So I went with my kids and we joined in and they were a bit hesitant. So I was like, okay, well, I'll jump on too. And then the moment I got on the mats and realised I was allowed to grapple with other people, um, I was just, I couldn't believe we were allowed to do this mm. as adults in society. <laughs> and I just loved it from from that very first moment of realising that this was a sanctioned activity. We were all here. We were allowed to try pretty much as hard as we could. Yeah. And we weren't going to be hurting each other, and yet there was this real competitive feeling. It was um, immediately addictive for mm. me. Uh, and I think I was quite lucky. The club that I started with had one or two women floating around, which is not was not the case back then for lots of clubs. You know, you might be in a completely male environment, uh, and there were a couple of smaller men. And one of the men actually... Uh, I still occasionally roll with today. He was the very first person I ever rolled with. Wow. Hom, do you know Hom? No. From GSW, yeah. Sorry. I was going to ask you about that. Speaking about your first role, what is your experience for your first ever time rolling with somebody? And for people, again, who don't follow jiu-jitsu, mm. rolling is essentially like sparring. Yes. Where you, it's, you know, you're on the ground grappling, you might start off wrestling, mm. and you kind of stop whenever... It could, it could be time constraint or you stop if somebody gets a submission on you. Yeah, or, or especially when you're at the start, often you you need to stop because you're so close to someone, like somebody, and maybe you just can't breathe. Yeah. Like you're not used to taking someone else's whole weight. Totally. You haven't worked out how to breathe through yeah, those yeah, situations. Yeah. So you have to stop or you might pass out because you're not breathing. Um, yeah, so my first experience was with Hom, and he was a blue belt at the time, which felt like God-level jujitsu mm. to me as just starting. Um and I just remember thinking I could do nothing. Like no matter what I did, yeah. I was still ending up on the bottom. No matter what I did, I was still having my arm extended for an armbar. It was just like this constant barrage of, of attack and submission and I just didn't have anything back. Um, but by the end of that first roll, I was starting to feel that I could push him away a little bit more. I could get my knees in uh, and, yeah, and it was still just... Just great fun, mm. great fun. Speaking about first roles, I remember my first time walking into the into the doors of workshop mm. jiu-jitsu at the old gym. We had like a tiny slither of mat space yeah. next to Flamingo Scooters yeah. who were charging all their batteries. Yeah. And I think I must have rolled with Pat because he knew it was my first time. Talk about, even still, obviously, talk about feeling absolutely helpless and like you're drowning. Yeah. I just felt like what exactly what you just articulated, mm. anything that I would try to do would just be countered by something else and especially rolling with Pat who's your husband yep. and the other co-founder of Workshop Jiu-Jitsu whenever I roll with him it feels like he's moving in slow motion and there's still just nothing that you can do no it's and he's, he feels like he's barely working that's it's right it's super annoying if I roll with him and I have that experience it's like no dinner for Pat yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. it is um, surreal it is surreal actually it's one of those things that um it's we're lucky that we share our love of jiu-jitsu together. It's been a real cornerstone of our relationship, actually. Mm. Like, um, and we share lots of other interests as well, but it's, it's pretty incredible having somebody else uh, that you live with that not only am I happy working with starting a business, but also our core interest, our real love, is, is so mm. uh, entwined, like we're really aligned. But um, it certainly adds to the, you know, kind of... Uh, Tension around the house if um if I'm just feeling like I because I'm so much smaller than him um I don't often get ascendance in our roles and that can be really difficult yeah um to to kind of feel that that's okay at home as well like I yeah. sort of it is hard when somebody's really dominant in an area yeah um <clears throat> yeah and but also I think it's that thing of feeling like it has been relatively effortless for the other person is it really gives you a goal to work towards too it's like how is this magic happening mm. um and I think if you have that first experience so for you with Pat or um and quite often I've had feedback like guys that have carried on jiu-jitsu are like well the first time I rolled with you Amy as this small slightly older woman um, and you were able to control me and submit me, 
that really brought home how effective the martial art can be because mm. you actually start to realise you're trying your hardest against this person and they're still yeah. they're still controlling you. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of points that there must be some magic in there somewhere. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So if we go back to um, your jiu-jitsu journey, so what was it that what made you, and obviously being a, a mum at the time, mm. what made you continuing like to, to keep showing up? Um, well, I really, um, I'm quite a competitive person, so I try to dial that back a bit in training, but um, <laughs> I really am very competitive. And uh, and as a coach, you have to take a big step back on that too. I that bet, it's I bet. Uh, but when I was starting, I didn't have any of those constraints. And so I really loved being able to go somewhere. And I quickly found, because I'm quite flexible um, and have had quite an like an athletic history, I, I found that I was able to handle most of the women in, in the club pretty quickly, yeah. um, and then started competing and started getting lots of success in competition. Mm, um, and so it, that was just, like, really exciting. But the thing that made me come back, actually, in the end, was, like, I was competing. I went to the Abu Dhabi World Pro uh, Qualifiers, and up until that point, I'd had a pretty easy run, sort of, mm. of, um, of, of winning in competitions. And I came up against this absolute legend called Jess Fraser from Australia. And she just smashed me. True. She just was past my guard, like a knee slicer guards when you're like trying to keep someone away with your legs or maybe attacking them. And she got straight past my legs, which were like their weapons, I thought at the time. Yeah. And got on top of me and then just brutally choked me with my gi. And um, I just remember being so happy. because happy. Yeah, because... There's that thing of like you're trying really hard, you're doing well, but so far everything's quite easy. And then I just came up across this woman and she just annihilated me and I was like, yes, actually there is so much further to go. Like I hadn't had that. I didn't know enough about the sport and I thought maybe I was reaching the ends of it, uh. which is so silly, but I didn't know. And then being just so beaten by Jess and I was just like, there is so much further to go. This is fantastic. There's, there's something about jujitsu where it is such a forever learning journey. Oh. Like the process, you never know everything about it. Like there's so many techniques and turn your wrist this way and you get the blade of your bone to yeah. choke people faster yeah. and especially with the gi. Yeah, um, so much. I think that's what so many people and me still being so new into it, that must be the appeal is yeah. that, you know, it's it's something for – it's like bro mental – brain gymnastics mm. mixed with physical gymnastics and as I well. think for lots of people that is what keeps them in and I think for a smaller number of people it's what slides them out so mm. I think it's either I want to be on this journey forever and I love this constant learning so if you've got that brain that just wants to keep learning which lots of us do then um, it's so appealing because you get to black belt and you're like whoa actually I know nothing yeah there's still all this area that you know people are going to be able to be really dominant towards me and but um, I think for some people they get to like blue belt and purple belt and they they have that realisation. And I think if you're like too goal-based, then possibly what happens, you those goals just, there's nothing to kind of benchmark. It's like it's just going to go on forever. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's why sometimes people drop out at that blue and purple belt because they see the journey in front of them is forever, yeah. which is like the best thing for me. Love mm. that. But, but maybe that's putting people off. Yeah. And what do you think like the retention rate is for – the typical jiu-jitsu practitioner, you know, mm. who might start as a white belt. Yep. How many of those, what percentage of those players get to black belt? I think historically it's been a tiny percentage. So um, it's like less than 1%, wow. I think. Um, but I'm hoping that that's going to change. And I think the way that gyms are structured now, this more modern way of teaching that we especially do at workshop um, and the fact that gyms are hopefully becoming more inclusive. So that's what we're really driving towards. Yeah. Um, and we've got a long way to go still. Like we're still trying to work out how to be the most inclusive environment we can be. Um, but I think as gyms become more inclusive, we move away from the old-fashioned kind of hierarchical have to do what my sensei or professor says, mm. um, this whole sort of thing, which I think can really get pretty boring. Mm. Um, and I think that probably sets people to step away as well. Like, for instance, in, in our club, our attention's amazing. So normally if you come in the doors at workshop, you just want to stay. You stay. It's the yeah. community as well. Yeah. As much as the training, it's totally. like the people there. Yeah. And I think that that's really been important to Pat and I, that, that everybody feels like kind of equally welcome 
at workshop like hopefully you don't feel like there's lots of little cliques and funny things that you can't join in you're just like you're part of the workshop family and team Um, and we've really tried hard to get that feeling going Um, yeah and so that's something that we we really really want because both of us have trained at different clubs um, and each of those clubs we've trained at have had really positive parts to them and they've been good parts of our lives Mm. but there were also some things that we just wanted to change Yeah. so that's what we've been trying to do at workshop yeah and why has it been that I think prob- women are probably underrepresented in a lot of sort of martial arts, mm. especially around jujitsu? What would you say to someone listening to the podcast right now, particularly a female who mm. is like, I want to try something new? Why should they get into the support? Into the sport? Okay, well, I think there's a few things there. So if I'm talking about why, um, I think it's another great way to be strong in your body for women. Okay, so it's. Uh, I feel very confident and comfortable with my body um, and some of that is the fact that I challenge myself every day that I step on the mats to um, be okay to be so close to other people yeah. and no gi. I'm, you know, you're not really hiding anything in jiu-jitsu. It's very hard to pretend to be something you're not. Very true. Um, and so that's really brilliant. I think I hesitate and step back from saying it's good for self-defence because the studies that I've seen seem to say that uh, people who think think they've got self-defense skills actually end up often in worse situations. Oh, right. They like, um, overcompensate their just abilities. Just a little bit, or? which is so terrible that that's the state that women, well, that's how we have to live yeah. in society. It's um, it's awful to think that because you may have more confidence, you're actually more at risk. Yeah. I mean, how horrific. Totally. But there does seem to be a little bit of that in the research that I've seen. Um, and so, but having said that, I think that jujitsu training in such close quarters and at like a really um, high intensity when you want to, actually in those situations, if you do end up in a position where you've, you really need to get away from someone, I can't think of another sport no. or another discipline that would give you that ability. No. Yeah. Totally. I was um, listening to a podcast with Jocko Willink, mm-hmm. who's an uh, ex-Navy SEAL black belt as well, um, and he was describing jiu-jitsu as, you know, if there was – a street fight, and somebody is about to throw punches, mm. you can run away. Yeah. If somebody is, you know, a kickboxer, they're screwing up to you, you can run away. Yeah. But if somebody grabs you, you can't run away. Yeah. So you better hope you know jiu-jitsu. Yeah, um, exactly So, right. yeah, it's definitely stuff like that. Have you heard of any experiences of people using jiu-jitsu in the street? Um, I think I – I mean – Anecdotally, I have like I've seen, I've heard a few things about, but um, nothing I could probably retell with any um authenticity. Yeah, some anecdotes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm just. But I think um, I know that uh, for me myself, once I was walking down Courtney Place, and um, I walked past some guys that were fighting, and I sort of. I didn't mean to get involved, but um, I've got terrible universal mum syndrome. Like, I've got <laughs> five kids. And so when I see things going wrong, I'm like, I could probably – I'm a mum. Yeah, yeah. de hey the situation. I could probably fix this. Yeah. So not, not so clever. Uh, and actually, they kind of – when I mentioned it, one of them just sort of turned and, and wildly swung at me and ended up kind of grabbing me and pushing oh, me right. towards a window. And I think if I hadn't had my jujitsu – training and I was pretty early on I think I was probably white or blue belt at that stage but even then I knew enough that as soon as those contacts were there I could kind of wriggle out of it so yeah. I kind of got pushed up against the window but then I was I was gone yeah which I think I would not have been in such yeah. a good situation I probably would have caught a punch or two as well as the that's wild and, Courtney Place mm. eh? such oh. a it's so it's so feral, it's, feral. Now. it's changed yeah. it's so it's mm. changed so much yeah it really has yeah so I think so that's a little personal one um but also I think like uh once I started jujitsu my core got a lot stronger than it ever had before yeah. even with years of yoga teaching and the other sports I'd done and um and so like when I try new sports I'm much better at them than I think I would have been if I hadn't done jujitsu like I could kind of water ski relatively easily because I sort of have that strength and awareness. And um, and also the other thing that's really good is if you are in a club where it's a really safe environment, which is what we do try to do with workshop, mm. um, then you get a chance to be really friends with just lots of people and there's nothing strange or icky or creepy happening on the mats. Mm. And that is so refreshing yeah. as a woman in a kind of gym environment. There is nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but you get on the mats and there are no creepy feels going on. Nah. There's nothing, nobody. 
nobody's saying or looking at things funnily. We're just like all teammates training together. Yeah. And it is enormously refreshing. Yeah, totally. As a woman to experience that. Yeah, that yeah. must be really good. And it's been such a cool journey getting my daughter, Kyla, yeah. into jiu-jitsu as well. She's rad it's too. It's so funny, yeah. eh? Just seeing them, seeing all of these five to Ten-year-olds on the mats, mm. and it's like the egos with little people. Oh. Like, oh, it's so. Even yesterday, like, there's some tears involved oh. and stuff. And storming so off funny. the mats with big, yeah. yeah. But having said that, that I feel I used to be like that at like blue belt. Like, I would definitely have a big cry to storm off the mats True. to the change room <laughs> and then come back. It's like it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's okay because it is. It's full on. Like you're right on other people's faces, definitely. And the kids, like my son Ernest, um, who trains, he's a uh, beast. Yeah, well, and also, but he's still like really competitive at every. I don't know where that comes from. At every point, <laughs> yeah, at every point in the class, and so he finds it very hard sometimes in some of the training when when people are, are, are maybe a little bit better than him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think going off that, what has jujitsu taught you about humility? Right. So an enormous amount, especially as I've got older, because there's an, I hope I'll be able to be training for another 20 or 30 years. Um, but my experience in rolling and training is starting to change already mm. now. So I'm kind of perimenopausal and I've started some like hormone treatments for that. And, um, and I'm noticing that my strength is dipping a little bit. True. And I'm noticing that my recovery is slowing down. And some of that's just, you know. Yeah. Um, and so people that I normally would have felt that I could handle really well, I'm having to work heaps harder. Mm. And that's just something. Like I'm just having to let go of some of the um, my expectations of myself and just focus on other parts of my rolling. Mm. And in many ways it's good. Like I certainly don't cry on the way home as much as I used to, <laughs> <laughs> even though I love the sport. Like if you're competitive, you have to confront that all the time. Yeah. Like how did I go today? This person, you know, and you've really got to start to let go of that um, yeah. comparison to other people. And it's pretty funny that I've been saying to people to do that for maybe – since I've been coaching, which is like maybe six years in jiu-jitsu, and I'm only just starting to do that now because yeah, I've been like forced to by, by age true. pretty much. Um, yeah, so I think it's really good for humility. And I think um, also uh, it's okay to feel things strongly. Mm. Like, I mean, if somebody needs to have a cry and go into the changing room and have a bit of a swear or whatever they want to do in a bit of private space – Totally fine. Mm. Like we've all been there. You don't have to pretend it's not hard or yeah. It, sometimes it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's um, it's such a wild sport mm. because it's probably one of the only martial arts where you can spar, you can roll one hundred percent with people. Yeah. Um, and you can fully go all out. Whereas with boxing, if you're doing that, you know, you're well, knocking people out. Well, you're you... getting concussions. You're getting physically injured. Mm. Um. But with jiu-jitsu, there's, there's that part of it where you can go balls to the wall for a five-minute round, leave everything out there yeah. if you're with the right training partner. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, they might get you on a great submission. Yeah. You tap and you shake hands at the end. Yeah. And you go like, shit, man, that was awesome. How do you catch me? Yeah. Catch me with that. So there's, there's there's something there that's just so so humbling about jiu-jitsu. That, yeah. That's what I'm definitely definitely finding. Yeah, yeah, and that's really good but also I think what it does is um, it allows you to build trust with other people so you have definitely. to have trust in the training room. You do. And I think that's something, especially as a society, we're kind of losing a bit because we're getting less and less face-to-face -face contact with people, mm. let alone body-to-body -body contact, which yeah. is what jiu-jitsu is, right? And then with this ability of fighting as hard as we can with each other, the trust has to be enormous. Like I have to trust you, Noah, so hard that you're yep. not actually going to, that you are going to stop when I tell you it needs to stop. 100%. Um, and we do trust each other. Uh, and I think that is such an incredible part of jiu-jitsu, especially now as we are starting to get more and more cellular in our social interactions. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it feels to us, especially at Workshop Jiu-Jitsu, and I can't see inside the other clubs in the country, but I have a feeling that, there are lots of people wanting to try jiu-jitsu. There's a real swell into the sport. And I think part of it is definitely that. Part of it is people are noticing they're not getting the social contact, so they're looking for clubs in general. So mm. I think, like, if the government could somehow help fund clubs, I think that would be in mm. an, a an pretty amazing space to be Chris in. Hipkins, come on, mate. Yeah, good old Chippy. <laughs> he should come on the mats. That would be that'll sort that'd things That would be out. so funny. Yeah, that would be, yeah. I think that would be – we'd have to have a closed gym for that. Would you <laughs> Would you tap him out, though? Would you, like, go easy on him? No, I would 100% tap him nice. out. Even though, I mean, you know, 
give me some funding. That's right, that's right, 100%. I think, like, um, yeah, I think when people come to the gym, I think it's quite good to dominate them if you can. Mm. Like, not in a dangerous way, but I think, like, trying hard and letting them see that actually it is hard. Yeah. I think that's that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Like, not to make them feel bad about themselves, but just to see how much farther is to go in the sport if they're interested. Totally, totally. Yeah, so I would tap out the Prime Minister. You, you, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. That's so good. That'll be the, uh, <laughs> yeah. probably the title of this right, podcast. Right, I've just called tap. out Chippy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Um, with, I think especially with, like, white belts and that, there is some, everyone says that white belts are the most dangerous people to roll with. Because of how spastic they can be. Mm. And there's definitely, you know, people that you do roll with from time to time who just have one gear. And that's like, I'm going to crush you when they're they're a white belt. Mm. Can you speak a little bit about that and maybe why that is? Okay, well, I mean, so when we say we're trying to, uh, we use all of our effort in a sparring situation, that is with the knowledge of also how to protect our training partner. So I'm going to use all my effort, but I'm not going, that's not going to include like I bought, you know, elbowing you in the eyeball or like grabbing all your fingers and twisting them the wrong way or things that I I know will instantly be dangerous without you having time to tap. So there are constraints in that sense. And often with white belts, also they've never wrestled or grappled with anyone else, so they don't know the effects of their body falling onto someone else or what it actually feels like when the pointy bits like go into different parts Mm. of your body. Like you can... You can actually hurt people, so there's so that, and also they're encouraged to think that um, people of higher rank are like invulnerable. Mm. Uh, that small people will, if skilled enough, will be fine in jujitsu. Mm. Like there's all this kind of law that goes around it, which which is to some extent true, but also means that that's a license for me, an enormous white belt, to go as hard as I can because these people yeah. have got great skills. Yeah, true. Um, Generalizations. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, yeah, and, and I think. So the one way we've found pretty good, we've still got a few outliers that um, we're still trying to help them to tone things back a little mm. bit, just so they get a chance to feel what else is going in the ro- inspiring situations. But the way we train at worship is a whole lot of small-sided games, pretty much, uh, that that you are allowed to give quite a lot of resistance to each other in, so we don't have like still technique parts of the class. And I think a real benefit of that is people are instantly getting into a semi-competitive environment with their training partners. And immediately from the first day they step onto the mats, they're having to experience that and moderate it within a really small set of boundaries where you can't really hurt each other. So you're still trying really hard, but we've set them up in a way that you're probably not going to be able to injure each other, even if you're going full tilt. Mm. And I think that is a good way to step people up so then when they go into rolling, they already have a feeling of how to move their body. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're in quite a good space at workshop for not having crazy white belts. But um, but certainly, historically, I remember having some terrifying roles mm. with usually big men yeah. uh, who are just with trying... With little egos. With, yeah. <laughs> or, well, big yeah, egos, yeah, I that's think. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and, and who... Or sometimes the loveliest men who just have not had that experience at all, and they're not ego-driven, yeah. but they just have no idea that mm. 100 kgs falling on, like, 55 kgs... It's not all good. It's not going to be all good. Nah. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, what's the worst injury that you've received through jiu-jitsu? <sighs> Touching all the wood. I've actually been really good. I haven't had any terrible joint sort of um, injuries. Uh, I've just had lots of black eyes um, and, yeah, and lots of big bruises. But, um, you get weird bruises from jiu-jitsu, eh? I always come back home, I've got like yeah. weird kind of funny finger pinch. marks yeah, like yeah. all up my back on my yeah. chest or yeah. like especially when, like gee burns kind of look like hickeys. And what about when someone kneels on the inside of your arm? Have you had that yet? Uh, I've had oh, bruises around the there. He's too young. But um, <laughs> you're way too young. No, but when you're sticking, it's a bit stretchier <laughs> and someone kneels on the inside of your arm, you yeah. will get a massive... Like big bruise oh, from shit. there. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and also, I do now have a back injury um, that happened really early on in jujitsu. It was actually wrestling, and that was more the issue of not having an appropriately sized training partner. Right. Um, and and yeah, so that's something to really keep an yeah. eye on too. Yeah. Have you been put to sleep before? 
Yes. Unconscious? Yes. Tell I, I, I never have. I'm sure no it's way. bound to happen. Oh, I totally will. Kind of looking forward to it. Oh, um, no. Yeah. In a weird way. But yeah, yeah can you talk us yeah, through lots of time. what so, that is like? So usually for me, it took me a while to realise I have a tell. Um, but usually what will be happening is that you're rolling, 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 and you're like, oh, that's quite tight. I'm pretty sure I can get out of it. And then a moment later, someone's like, are you okay? And you try to keep rolling and actually you're in a different position than you remember last time. Um, but usually as you get used to it, you, you'll start to really see the signs. Like for me, if I feel like my nose is dripping, like something cold, it's not dripping. That's just, I'm just about to go out and I've got like oh, wow. less so, than a quarter of a second to shit. to tap or do whatever. Um, and that's a really useful tell. It's like the drippy nose, tap, tap, tap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how, so. how many times do you think you've been put unconscious? Maybe only 10. Okay, only 10. Or 12. Okay, that's, that's like for a, how long you've been doing it, right? Yeah, it's such yeah, a yeah. High it's level not even once a year. Nah. So, I mean, really. Um, and it, never in competition. Right. Um, uh, and, yeah, always on the training yeah. floor. And I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm liable to keep on training. Because in on the training mats, like, you know your partner is really going to be looking out for you more than in competition. Yeah. So I'm liable to let things go a little bit further. Yeah, true. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I think I've been mainly choked out by Joy, the other female black belt. Oh, okay, <laughs> nice, think, nice. I think she's probably had me unconscious more than, than most people. Some people say you have like a crazy dream. Have right. you experienced that? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've have, I haven't, I mean, I've certainly like thought things were happening and then realised that they weren't happening. Yeah. Just like, you know, when you set the alarm back off in the morning and you have those kind of slightly lucid dreams. Yeah, you can hear the alarm yeah. like and when you're Yeah, and then you're, you're, you're carrying on in your day, like you think you've got to yeah. work or whatever, but actually you're still in bed. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the yeah. sensation, like you're still rolling, which is often why you'll try to keep going. Yeah, that's then, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, and I think with jujitsu because we stop straight away, you're normally only out for like maybe one second mm. or two seconds. Mm. So I think as far as sort of any brain harm goes, yeah. I'm really hoping it's really low down on the on the level. Totally. And I'm no bloody brain scientist, no. but I've heard it's, you know, it's nowhere near as bad for you as getting like a concussion or not really on the same scale at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because it's yeah. just a lack of oxygen getting yep. to your brain. Right oh, yeah. Who needs oxygen in your brain anyway? It's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that actually helped me in jiu-jitsu. One of the embarrassing sports I used to do before jiu-jitsu was, well, not embarrassing, Let's be proud. Synchronized swimming. Okay. I know. I'd, lo- I'd love to get into that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Look, it's demanding. It really is a really demanding sport. Um, it has sort of a bit of funny things, uh, like some funny reputation stuff around it, because I guess we wear makeup in the pool, which is like I never used even to. knew that. Yeah. So that makes it kind of maybe something, I'm not sure. that, Or maybe because it was primarily a female sport, it's easy to kind of make fun of. But man, is it demanding and hard work. Oh, I bet. It'll be tough. And I think the training and the breath training for synchronised swimming is so useful in jiu-jitsu and having to perform under really uncomfortable situations because you're often like your body's really screaming Mm. while you're trying to perfectly execute these um, Mm. moves and often with a real lack of oxygen. I think uh, that was really, really useful. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess with your background, with like yoga and synchronised swimming, those are like, you know, perfect sort of mesh to create... Amy, totally. yeah, yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. black belt yeah, and machine. Yeah, a bit of water polo, so I wasn't afraid of a bit of argy-bargy. So those okay. things all help too. Um, yeah, so I think, and, and the thing for um, women maybe getting into the sport is that all those things that you might have done that were more, that weren't as contact sport-oriented will really serve you mm. still in jiu-jitsu. Um, and just taking away that fear of being catching a punch or a knee or an elbow, which I think I really like my brain. I mean, we've been joking about we don't need oxygen, but um, I'm, I don't want to be in 10 years' time uh, really impacted by my sporting decisions I made when I was yeah. younger. Like, it's really important to me, totally. especially as an older parent. Yeah. Like, Ernest and Maud, they're seven and four now. My mm. big three are much older. Uh, but I don't want to be, like, somehow incapacitated totally. in their teenage years and carrying on. So... Um, I think the the issue and the more we find out about CTE, the less I can uh, endorse people doing sports that involve them being hit in the head. Mm. Like it just seems really crazy to me. And we have a fantastic relationship with one of the local kickboxing clubs and it is run very sensibly um, and they really look after their – this is MTI in Wellington – they really look after their – their athletes, 
but still my heart drops when I hear that someone is going to go and do a striking sport um, when they could probably be getting a lot of the buzz that they get from that sport in a way that isn't going to give them long-term brain yeah. damage. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, eh? It is so, so nuts. I've got mm. lots of friends who compete in um, kick, kickboxing mm. and Muay Thai and MMA. Um, yeah, MMA. And... It's so fucking hard to watch sometimes because even if they come out and they win, I'm grateful I've got friends who are really skilled, um, you know, fighters, but you mm. still see them get their head knocked back, get their head rattled and all of the sparring and training, like there's no escaping that mm. in the sport. No. It's, um, it's, and you look at, you know, Muhammad Ali or even all black, you know, all black rugby players. Yeah, I think it was this guy recently, I forgot his name, but he got some media attention because he's, he must be like in his early th- early 40s, former All Black, now he's got early onset dementia yeah. and he's like having trouble tying his shoelaces and yeah. that, especially being a parent, that's got to be Terrifying. the worst situation to get yourself in mm. and it was because of the voluntary choices that you made. And especially if you've made those choices in a sport, probably you love being physically active. That's right. And that would be a really huge part of your identity and then maybe you can't do that with your kids. Not cool. So, yeah, so, I mean, as much as I appreciate people really love striking sports, um, I really, like, I used to watch the UFC, and the more I know, I actually can't watch it anymore. Oh, right, due to the head trauma stuff. Yep, and I feel it's, like, quite an exploitative sport. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that train really hard to go for these higher um, sort of uh, promotions and things in MMA, and the people at the very top are getting quite good money, but all the other people in the gym and training to get to these points are just getting hammered without that support. Like, you know, I just, um, anyway, so I'm just not sure about that whole, that whole industry, how it runs. Um, and so, yeah. And yet jujitsu is not perfect, but I can see better outcomes longer term. Yeah. Mm. What, and it's so so funny in professional jiu-jitsu, especially like, you know, no gi and stuff. I'm sure it's the same with gi, but mm. obviously no gi is getting a lot more popular over the gi at the moment. Yep. You've got like, you know, Gordon Ryan, Nicky yeah. Rod, et cetera. But I want to, you know, the steroid use, how is it, how are they able to be these massive juiced yeah. up monkeys yeah. and it's totally okay and fine? Yeah, well, I think... I think that might change. So two things in that comment. So one is this, we we have this feeling that Nogi's taking over. And I think in New Zealand and a little bit in Australia, I think there is done to be more of a, like a bit of a turn maybe towards more athletes competing and more training in Nogi. Um, and certainly we're being fed through the media, through flow grappling and some of these yep. other big things. Um, that's what we're mainly able to access to watch. Uh, but if you look like over in the States, Primarily, athletes are entering gi competitions, not no gi competitions. Oh, really? But just the way things are structured, we're not seeing it as much. So if you go through and actually examine the numbers, there's a lot more gi jiu-jitsu going on in the world than no gi jiu-jitsu. Ah. But we're just not kind of seeing it. It's not as front-facing. So um, I'm really keen, and I think gi jiu-jitsu is a real blast. Like, it's super fun. Both of them are great. I love no gi and I love gi. What do you prefer, really quickly? Ooh, it if you had to choose. If I had to choose to never do another one again, if I had to choose, I would probably choose Nogi. Yeah, oh, there you said it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, but um, probably, I think maybe there's more longevity because of my grips yeah, holding true. onto the Um But I do really love both of them and it's already, it's a hard choice. Yeah. But um, And also we want to be a gym that, People, we have really great gi athletes and no gi athletes, so we're really conscious of keeping that open. And the gi is so much fun. So that's that big, heavy cotton uniform that we use. And uh, it's really good as a small person because I can keep people away with the gi a lot better mm. than I can no gi. I can, like, put my foot in their gi and keep them just away from me while they flail wildly trying to get closer, yeah. which is, is pretty good. And, and all the chokes that are all accessible through um, gi and different grips. And it's, people can't slip out. It is you've crazy. You've got them, you've got them. It's... Yeah. um. I definitely, I think probably what jujitsu, it's just not a spectator sport for someone who doesn't watch jujitsu. I think especially in gi, Mm. if someone's watching like a gi and I've got no experience watching it, they're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It's like, how can you make that sport more enticing for the ordinary folk? Well, I mean, I wonder, I mean, I guess you, would you feel the same way about judo? And some of those other martial arts, or do you think that jujitsu is more? I think jujitsu is probably maybe. I've never done judo, but yeah. I think I guess there's the, more going on. Yeah, I guess the principle of that if you get someone to the ground and their feet come off the ground, you know yeah. that you're doing really well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. 
it's hard to understand because we have the submission side of things as well as the pinning side of things. Mm. So I think you're right in the sense that wrestling's easier to understand too because if you get the shoulders on the ground and you stay on top of them, you're pretty much yeah. winning. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, just being on the bottom is not necessarily that mean that you're losing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I play a lot of my back and um, I find that really effective. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm not really sure how you would do that. I think um, maybe a slight... A slightly more simplified rule set again, maybe. Um, uh, Submission only is always quite fun to watch. It is fun to watch, um, but I think, I'm not sure, I think as an athlete in the end, the submission only tournaments start to get, you in, start to get into situations where maybe they're not as much fun to watch. So you've got this real balance. If you have points, people try and game the points. So maybe like you get big pauses when people are waiting till right to the end of the match and they try and score extra points, mm. which can lead to boring parts in the match. But then in a nogi, I mean in a saboni tournament, um, you can often get into things where people are just kind of nothing's really happening in the match. Like they're kind of just waiting for the person to give up the position like and True. so I mean, they both have their negatives, I yeah. think. And I think positional dominance is such a skill to develop yeah. that I think um, that points jiu-jitsu will still have a real place for quite yeah. a long time. Yeah, I hope so. Do, are they going to remove, because, again, for people listening, um, like the top elite jiu-jitsu practitioners, especially oh, yeah. in nogi, they're just roided yeah. up, like yeah. Gordon Ryan. Yeah. That man pisses in a cup, it's burning through the yeah, bottom Yeah, yeah, totally, 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 totally. Like, and he's changed of, so much. Like yeah. It's, yeah. And it, it's like looking at him as, as well. He's like mm. 27 or yeah. something, 28. Yeah. He's super young and yeah. he looks like he's... 50. He, yeah, it's <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yes. So I think that it, there is going to have to be some more testing done. And I think that it's funny that like, so IBJJF, our traditionally biggest kind of uh, organization does test podium finishes. Okay. Um, and I think, but then some other, there are other like very lucrative competitions that don't. And I think almost don't on purpose because now they would alienate a whole bunch of real top level competitors. Mm. But I think they're going to have to. It's often said that, um, that it's the cost that's, that's holding it back. Because if you have like a random drug testing uh, sort of program going, which maybe you would need to have a random thing going. It, they estimate it to be like like $12,000 an athlete or something wow. over a year. It's really expensive. But if you were just testing, I think we could start just by having podium tests for yeah. every competition. Yeah. And um, that would bring the cost back down to maybe sub $1,000 because you're doing everybody on site. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I fully think it should happen and I hope it does. But um, I agree because sure. it, it kind of just shows that the jiu-jitsu sport is not really where it is at as a modern sport in today's day and age where yeah. everything else, you know, you got testing uh, for everything. Testing for everything. Mm. Yeah. It just yeah. it's never really made sense to me. No, no, no. And I think it's also partly come up from that um I mean jujitsu it hasn't been lawless, but it certainly hasn't had the the maybe the gravitas of some of those other martial arts the martial mm. arts too. Like we're kind of a bit newer. There's been originally there wasn't really a street fighting aspect, but there was a real confrontational sort yep. of aspect to jujitsu, which has changed now that we've moved away from from sort of early jujitsu. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I think maybe in that, you know, I kind of described it as the NASCAR of martial arts. I love that. Yeah, well, it's, it is, you know, like we're kind of a bit flouncier. Right? We've got wear lots of colours, like everybody does funny things. Yeah. Aesthetically, we look quite different. And I think maybe that, the steroid use is like the worst part of that. Yeah. Where you can just sort of do whatever. We're a bit like the Wild West. Yeah. So that is changing. Um, and hopefully because the consequences of that steroid use long term are really bad. Mm. Like you might feel like you're invincible at the time, but it wears on your body. Yeah, I bet. Totally. Yeah. Natural athletes here. Hey, hey, hey. No steroid oh, use at this I'm table. Kidding. Does HRT start? I'm sure it doesn't. It's just a replacement. I'm not down that level. Oh, maybe. But yeah, maybe you are now. Yeah, maybe I am. Sorry, guys. Um, Amy, really keen to hear as well, you know, what what has jiu-jitsu taught you in your life? If you were to focus on maybe one to two things. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think it, it's, it's, it's really taught me that um, – Best you can, if you want to really progress in whatever you're doing, the chances are the way for you to progress personally is to be as inclusive and supportive of the people around you. I think that's probably that's probably been the main takeaway for me is that um, it's all very well to be single-minded and to try and get what you want from life or an activity, but if you do that in jujitsu, the chances are 
your training partners will drop away because you've injured them or alienated them through your attitude or things that you're saying, the way that they feel about themselves when they're with you. Uh, and it, nothing is more obvious than in jiu-jitsu because you'll injure someone and then they go away. Mm. And so it's very clear um, that you really need to be caring about the other people around you. And it sounds like a kind of a funny thing to say, but um, especially growing up and like I was a mum pretty young and so you'd think that maybe that was something I get the handle on a little bit earlier but it actually took me a really long time I think it wasn't until maybe I was about maybe almost 40 before I really understood that mm. like I kind of knew it I kind of knew it um, but I didn't really understand that the more I gave out the better other people around me felt about themselves um, the better everything was going to be uh, and I think um, that's really Jiu-Jitsu has really brought that home mm. hard to me, which is um, which is which is really good. And also, uh, then probably building on that, since we've had our own gym, which is very recently, so workshops been open for about a year and a half. Um, I've realised the other thing that's been really important is that uh, how much truthfulness you need in your interactions all the time with people. So I'm I'm not a naturally deceitful person, but when I say truthfulness, I guess it's being open about difficult discussions and conversations as well as easy ones. Mm. So it's all very well being really friendly and being honest, but also I need to be, as a gym owner, really honest when things aren't going well for people mm. um, or things aren't safe. And uh, that's that's been enormous for me because those confrontational, those difficult decisions yeah, right. are hard. Yeah. Um, and, and difficult conversations are really difficult, hard, obviously, and... Uh, getting better at that and then also noticing that when I do have those hard conversations with people um, our relationship is better afterwards mm. which is very reassuring and I wish I'd had that experience early on in maybe my 20s yeah. um, that actually there, there really isn't a negative if you can do it from a place where you are actually caring about that other person yeah it's a um, it's only a good it's only good yeah, yeah totally yeah there must be so many lessons within you know Getting into stepping up with the business, yeah. um, and also, you know, everything else with um, what you learn throughout the jujitsu mm. sort of experience and all those similarities. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's just a tiny microcosm, it's, but it's representative of a society or a or a, you know, of a, any group of people. It's mm. a community, and making sure that. Um, yeah, making sure that you take those lessons and like can be small things like someone has smelly training gear. I mean, how upsetting! That <laughs> is so hard to have a conversation with. I'm never a. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it happens. I mean, people wash their stuff like after every training, and that is good. And 99 percent of the time, that's fine. And then maybe you leave your gear in the car for like a day, and then you wash it, and then it's got the stink forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, even those conversations, like, I have to have those conversations with oh, students. I could not imagine that. Uh, it's so silly. And, you're, doing, and you're doing the hard work the for hard us because we're all like, work. yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, they're really hard conversations to have. But if you can do it in a way that they feel like you're not judging them for it, and it's such a small example, but um, they actually, they know they can trust you now too because you're going to tell them the truth. Yeah. And yeah, no sugarcoating stuff. No eh? sugarcoating, yeah. Mm. And, mm. and it's okay. Like, pe- that happens to people. Yeah. It's just all living the truth. And be cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Mm. Um, I was really surprised when I was looking into a bit more about your story that you were the seventh woman Aotearoa to get a, to get mm. to get your black belt. How were you only the seventh? Like I know that, that just blew my mind for something that's yeah. such an uh, ancient Fierce. old <clears throat> martial art. Yeah. So I guess part of that is that um, historically the way gyms are run, very male centric. So you almost had to be an outlier. Like things had to fall into place for you as a woman to feel like you could progress in the sport. Right. And it's that thing too. Like that. So Keitha was the first NZ black belt, female black belt, and um, she received her black belt in 2012 or 2013. Wow. Um, so recent. And she was a real tra- trailblazer in many ways, actually, because she was a little bit older, um, and she had to go overseas to get her black belt. She trained a lot with uh, Philippe Costa, who's a really great black belt in Brazil. So she really like worked hard to get there, um, and and through some adversity. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it's just when you're in a really all male environment, and we forget. Like you go back if you watch a movie from the '90s or even the early 2000s now, it is cringe central, right? And that was general. Mm. That's how we talked about each other. Yeah. That was how it worked. You know, you made all these jokes. You talked about people's bodies. Like it was all okay. And then, and now we've moved on so much. And so, if you were going to try to start jujitsu 
with all of that around as a woman, you can imagine like it's a whole nother layer of hard. 100%. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see how much we've changed. And so now I think we've got lots more women. Like in our gym, we're probably... Uh, we're growing at least as fast with women as we are with men. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. We really want to get to 50%. Mm. Um, and we're doing a whole lot of things to try and make that happen. But back when I started, I said, as I said, I was like I had a couple of women in, in the gym I started. And then I think because I really didn't have a handle of how competitive I was, I think we probably lost one quite quickly because I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those wipeouts, eh? I was, I was, yeah. I was. Like and, and a little one of those like wipeouts anyway. Um uh, yeah, and then so it just took a really long time. And then each gym I was at, uh, I was pretty much the highest ranking woman, yep. I think, going through. Um, and then very fortunately for me, there's a woman at a club who's another black belt called Joy. Shout Crow- out Joy. Yeah, shout out Joy Crowley. How amazing. And so um, she came back and trained with us at GSW and that was the – that was the change for me in understanding how good training could be because mm. I had someone a similar size um, and we could really train hard together and it was really challenging mm. and it was the best thing. And and I think once we started having that, then also more women started coming to the gym just because there were obviously people who were like further up the chain already. You could see a path. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, it's the old thing, eh? Like you can't – it's hard to be what you can't see. Mm. It's – um. It's so true. And that's with like professions. You got, you know, young people growing up in lower socioeconomic neighborhoods. Like to, for them to see someone who's a role model, yeah. it's hard for them to become that because it's not there, it's not in their community. They've got yep. n- nobody who's visible working a full time job or, you know, yeah. a jiu jitsu black belt as yeah. a female. It's, it's all of that sort of stuff that compounds, eh? Totally. And also, and then, so once again, I, I'll go back to Keitha who hasn't competed now for, for quite a while, um, but she has been building this great school in Taranaki and she has um, a brilliant kids program and she's just like really been at the forefront of that. So she's like had her own school for years as Mm. a woman in jiu-jitsu, which is pretty unusual. And I think now like throughout New Zealand, we might have four or five gyms that are at least co-owned by women. Awesome. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, So shout out to those gyms. Uh, And... Yeah, it, but we're still struggling with the higher belt level women competing. Yeah. Is that because um, there's not enough? There's not enough. Um, there's not enough where also women with the – if you're having children, often it takes a little bit of time to get back into the sport so people women can have like big gaps yeah. in their training or gaps in how safe they feel training and, and building that strength back up. So that's not the case for every woman, obviously. Yeah. But if that is your path, then – that takes quite a few people out mm. for a while. And then the thought of coming back and competing after re- rehabilitating is yeah. from pregnancy is, is pretty hard. Um, but hopefully it will get – as long as I'm not injured, I'm going to keep putting myself out there in competition. Awesome. Um, and just so other women can see that that does cool. happen and it, and it can keep going. Um, and we hope to encourage other members of our – own club workshop to do that as well, but also you don't want to pressure people into doing something they're not ready to do. Yeah. But I think it would be very good um, for for women in jiu-jitsu generally if we could encourage some of those higher belt women to enter more competitions. Totally. Again. That's super cool, eh? Yeah. And, like, tell, try and tell mm. their story more. Yeah. So, for example, Annie Lee, she's another black belt in Auckland. Her and I had the first ever New Zealand women's black belt match, and that was only two years ago. Wait, the first ever in a competition yeah. women... Really? 2021, that was. What? Yeah, so it was, yeah, and it was an Ogi match, and that was, that was the first time. How That still blows my mind. Mm. How, so, how many women black belts do you think there are out there in New Zealand? In New Zealand now, I think we're up to 14. Is there like a register? How yeah, is there is, but I've got to go back and check. I was looking, we've got the first 10 are really clearly documented, and then we've had um, a few more join after that, but that's it. But it's right. it's it's slow, you know? Like, we really are a small mm. group of women. Mm. Um, I think that maybe in, in another five years it'll be quite different. In Australia, there's been an explosion. Yeah. You guys should, like, all join forces and create, like, a podcast or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, That'd yeah. That'd be yeah, so cool. Yeah. It'll be like this. <laughs> That'd be epic. Yeah. Um, what is it about jiu-jitsu that's so addictive? And I'm, I'm feeling this as well, yeah. where... You finish a training session, you, you could have rolled shit. It could yeah. have been hard. You've, cried, on, you've yeah. cried in the car on the way yeah, home. Yeah, you're questioning <laughs> why you're even doing it, but then you still show up the next mm. day because it's, 
I feel like for a lot of people, it's that drive to get better. Mm. I think also it's such a fast moving and like your skills develop. They can develop very fast, but also quite slowly. And Mm. I I feel like if I take a, if I take a week off training, it's like, shit, I'm struggling to keep up with the guys that I usually go toe to toe with. So it's like this whole compounding thing mm. but yeah I'd love to get your take on that why yeah. is jujitsu so addictive well I think you've summed it up quite well. I mean I think anything where you're learning if you've got that that brain that wants to keep learning I think it's so addictive right and and if you get to learn in a social environment yeah amazing if you get to learn in a social environment where it's slightly competitive yeah but you're still made to feel good even if you're not at the top end of that competitive um kind of system even more amazing like what a great cocktail of excitement that is um and so and also uh because jujitsu is so different for everybody's bodies everybody's doing different things too Mm. so you're not all doing exactly the same thing to each other so it's kind of super spicy too right so every training partner is going to feel so different it's so true and more different that i suspect than in a real striking sport because what you can do is like is like a universe mm. of moves. Um, and I was just talking to Joy about this yesterday at training, and she said it's so refreshing now um, that we're moving away from this is the way you have to do a technique um, because she's feeling really free and rolling to just do things like she was trying to break her partner's <laughs> leg <Yeah. laughs> yesterday. Yes, you do. Tra- yes, you do. Um, and she was thinking about a whole lot of sort of set things that she would normally do, like execute sort of move. And instead she was like, well, I'm just going to push the leg sideways <laughs> and then, you know, nick tapped. And that's great. Submission done. Mm. Um, and she's just finding it more and more freeing, which is so nice to hear as a black belt with all that experience. That totally. She's still feeling more and more permission and more yeah. and more freedom. Um, and I think that's what's probably the really addictive nature is that, um, yeah, you've got that great cocktail and you're allowed to do it your way. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. it's super cool. Mm. I'm finding myself walking, like, <laughs> so since I've started jiu-jitsu, becoming that guy that just talks about it all oh, the time. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I better not turn into him. But oh. it's like... Any, and I'm, I'm always encouraging my mates to get into it. Yeah. I'm like, man, you got to come to a class. You got to try it out. Yeah. And I'm, it's so, I, I love that. Like, really encouraging my friends mm. who have no experience, similar to like what I was, you yeah. know, 14 months ago, yeah. to go in and just give it a crack, to yeah. give it a try. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you suffer from that as well? From oh, just I still like do. I, I being remember, the have biggest not, advocate? Have you not seen me? I mean, every time a woman <laughs> comes anywhere near our gym, yeah. I'm just like, so. Uh, yeah, with you, uh, my partner yesterday. Yes, that's right. Like, oh, and I think I've done that like three or four times. Yeah, keep and, doing it. Yeah, yeah. And every time she's like, oh, I think I just like being in the water. It's like, oh, there's, there's lots of sweat on the yeah. mats. You know, yeah. Maybe yeah. you'll find something. Um, yeah, because I – and for some people, it is something that they really don't enjoy and it's quite confronting and that, you know, and, and they're not – there's not enough of that other spiciness to make them want to keep going. But I think almost universally people can benefit from – being really close to other people more. Mm. Um, and I, we, so for our kids, it's really interesting with the kids' program, just to kind of pivot on that for a second, is that what I've, we've noticed that um, often kids that might be a bit neurodivergent as well, yep. wonderful sport because there's that freedom. They're not necessarily having to copy exactly what's happening. Yeah, true. Um, they're getting real-time response. Uh, if it can be, a, you know, they're in charge of how much they do or how much they take on. So, like, that sensory thing they can control. But it's also a good exposure to different things mm. if they want. We're finding it to be um, a really a really widely appealing sport for kids. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is pretty great. That's super cool. Um, so funny. At the competition a few, few months ago mm. up in Carpety, seeing all these little ninjas, mm. eh, these little killers, like the next generation – so, and every time, well, most of the time, somebody wins or loses mm. at the end, there's always tears. Oh, it's but, full emotion, yeah. It'd be totally. so, like, I also feel like there's probably a bit more that could be done to create a bit of a safer space mm. for those kids because it's an intense environment having to compete. Yeah. And then you've got coaches screaming yeah, at them okay. the same as they'd scream at, you know, yeah. like their adult, mm. you know, students. So it's, yeah, I found that a bit full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, so when you're cornering, it's, quite hard to moderate yourself anyway, especially if you've been coaching someone because uh, in the longer term because you're so invested in them mm. and you really want them to do well and be safe. Um, but what I find is I think especially with kids is all you need to tell them is they're doing really well. Yeah. And um, 
you know, that that if there's an opportunity that you can see that they can't see, maybe tell them, but really just like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And actually even saying the other the other competitors doing really well too, like, whoa, great sweep or whatever. Yeah. Just to take out that Yeah. That, that, that of, fear of failure. Oh. Yeah, and we all have it. Totally. Yeah. But I think that's something else, like if you do choose to compete in jujitsu, is that awareness that you've already trained with everybody at your gym for hundreds if not thousands of hours mm. and we all know your jiu-jitsu and we all respect it mm. because no matter where you are on the scale you'll have something that you do that we struggle with everybody yeah. struggles with right like you have some area of ascendancy in the club um and so we know that and so if you lose a competition well that's that doesn't mean that your jiu-jitsu is any less nah. or that we think any less totally and you. um with my just to uh, speaking from my own experience doing my first comp yeah three three weeks ago yeah like going into that you know because you you kind of get a sense where you stand at your own gym you're right because you're mm. rolling with these people all mm. the time and on the lead up I was like shit man like I'm just gonna get absolutely embarrassed out there like these and then you go there in person and you see these guys that you got to compete with they look huge and you're like mm. shit like <laughs> damn. But it's all that anticipation leading up to the point where you actually, you know, mm. you're on your back or yeah. you've taken them down and then it's just like another another role. But it actually gave me a lot of confidence to know where I am in my journey as a wipeout and to know that I can really compete with these guys. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. yeah, you look like you were doing some really great, but really great stuff at that competition actually. And I feel like you improved as the competition went on. Definitely. So, which is so interesting. That's like, so, so interesting. That's like one day. Uh, and just noticing as you kind of get used to the adrenaline, get used to the... Oh, man. Yeah. The adrenaline dump, hey, after the first one. And my forearms were oh. just burning Yeah, from like the nothing else, right? It's crazy. Yeah, I had to yeah. get Pat to massage them in between matches. Yeah, because you couldn't use your hands anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so exciting too. And I don't think people do that enough, especially mm. as adults. You don't... Where else do you get to experience that real adrenaline like that? Totally. You know, you just... You pretty much don't. 100%. So, yeah. Exciting. Hey, uh, we'll move to some quick fire yes. questions. Um, but before we do, where can people stay in touch with you and the Workshop Jiu-Jitsu community? Okay. Yeah, so we have um, a bit of a social media presence going on um, Facebook, oh dear, and Instagram. Um, so if you're interested in seeing when our classes are and what our gym looks like and a little kind of snippets of our philosophy, they sort of pop up uh, on Instagram and Facebook under Workshop Jiu-Jitsu in Wellington. Um, and also we really just love visitors. So if you're keen to come and have a look or come down on like a Saturday morning and just drink coffee and see what's going on, um, that's just an open offer to Anybody who's interested, mm. um, whether you've got any jiu-jitsu experience or not, just to come and see what we're about. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, we are getting to the point where we're getting pretty full at our gym, so there there might be wait lists coming in the True. near future. Not for women, sorry guys, but there might be a wait list for guys um, soon, uh, just because we want to keep offering a really great experience to yeah. everybody. Um, but you're very welcome. Everyone's very welcome to come in and have a trial and, and see what we're about. Wicked. And we'll send some links into the episode description, oh. wherever you're watching or listening, either YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, cool. Over to the quickfire questions. What brings you true happiness? Um, uh, hanging out with my beautiful Patrick. Sorry, it's corny, but that's true. Aww. Um, what's your favourite choke? Favourite choke? Oh, ooh, it'd be triangle probably. Triangle? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's, um, sorry, for people who don't know, that's when you get your legs around someone's neck and uh, like shoulder or arm and you can make that loop really small until they can't breathe anymore. Lovely. Romantic. Oh. Um, advice, you wish about, you, advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? Um, I think coming back to that, if you bring other people up around you, that is, um, that's how you're going get, to get the best out of life. What does legacy mean to you? Um, uh I guess it just means not leaving a bad taste in people's mouth on the long term. So um, I just think that if you can create something that uh, people can remember or think of fondly, um, I think that's that's the well, that's the legacy I'd like to um, I'd like to leave. Yeah, it's pretty small. Um, for white belts out there, fellow white belts, what advice do you give to those getting into jiu-jitsu? Um, yeah, just keep coming along and trying. And if you're feeling overwhelmed by anything. Uh, slow it down, but don't stop. So um, give yourself maybe just watch a couple of rounds or uh, come along and watch some trainings, but just 
keep on coming uh, and listen to your uh, other higher belts in the gym. And if you're getting a message all the time from those other higher belts, maybe think about bringing it on board. So that's like specifically if you're constantly hearing uh, just slow down on the submissions or just th- then test that out to see what they're on about because they, mm. they might know, they might, they might might know, know something. something that you <laughs> they don't. might, they might. Um, if you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? Um, if I could change one thing in New Zealand, I would uh, I would magically wave a mo- uh, wand that made people less concerned uh, and less against other genders. So I would mm. like um, I would like people to just be humans. Mm. That's globally though. Love that. Um, yeah. Very timely with um, that. Oh, thank goodness she's gone. Yeah. See you later. Um, yeah. Pretty cool turnout up in yeah, Auckland. I think yeah, it's yeah, like a great. protest thing today as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand? I think, and it's going to sound really corny, but I think probably, oh, holding back in general, I think possibly this reliance on social media and um, uh, uh, screen time and devices yep. uh, and stopping the real contact with other people. Uh, I just think it makes it much harder to have meaningful relationships with people that you can trust and I think that that basic trust is what you build your whole life on whether it's like trusting people or trusting yourself to go further in education or um, just trusting other people so that you can have really happy family times or uh, collective experiences and I think we just don't have enough of that for the kids at the moment so but that's a tricky one that's a tricky one to solve um, cool we'll finish with a quote this is by Ricardo Almeida yep Yep. Um, jiu-jitsu and martial arts do not build character. They reveal it. We are all born with unmeasurable courage and determination. But as we go through the trials of rigorous training that we rediscover those gifts. Amy, thank you. <laughs>